0: Choir Podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner. We're at State Farm Center. Yes, we made it. Uh, We're recording a football recruiting pod before Illinois takes on Wisconsin in a top 20 matchup. We will have a basketball podcast later today as well. But Joey, we just talked to Brett Dillema, who broke down his recruiting class, which I guess now we can put a bow on, even though they're going to have more additions uh, in the class of 2022 via the blue shirts. And we'll get into a lot of that nitty-gritty discussion here. But 24 prospects includes 22 prep prospects, two JUCO transfers, and then today he was able to talk about the quarterback transfer, Tommy DeVito, as well as defensive line transfer, t Ra Edwards uh, from Northwestern. But they've added 26 of a possible 28 players in the class of 2022. They have two blue shirts coming in, and Navy and Cargill, and defensive back Xavier Scott. I'll just pose it to you, and then I'll give my thoughts. What your big takeaways of his first full recruiting class?
1: I mean, obviously, right, it's the state of Illinois. But that, that's not, this is an information that we just learned today. Either they added Matthew Bailey from the state. But, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, just the body of work, he backed up the commitment that he pra- praised or promised to everybody a year ago uh, when he took this and they started rolling everything out. I, I guess the, the one that's probably a little more new and more pertinent is I thought there'd be a few more transfers. And as we look at this, and I know we'll get into how we think that's going to be a small number moving forward, it looks like maybe you could make a case for four to five, and they've already got two, so there's not a lot more. As we saw this roster turnover, we thought, man, they might have to really lean into this, and that does not appear to be the heavy direction they're going, which is a little surprising. I thought Brett laid out his reasons why, but I think coming into this, we thought there might be not double digits, but in that seven to eight range, and being lower than that is, is telling about what he wants us to be. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's the
0: takeaway today, is Brett continues to add uh, prep prospects. And I think we all knew, and he, he reiterated today, he's going to be a developmental program. If you thought Brett Biomo was going to come in here and get a bunch of five- and four-star recruits, you just didn't know his history, or, or really Illinois' history, for that matter. He's going to have a developmental program like Iowa and Wisconsin did to build up their programs, find players who fit their schemes, find players who fit the character and the culture that he wants, and that he can get the most out of them and his staff can get the most out of them. I think we saw the defensive side of the football, they certainly can do that with with players they inherit. Now it's up to Barry Lone to inject the offense with that side of it. But I did think there might be some urgency in this offseason to add more immediate help. Now, they've done that with Tommy DeVito, Tira Edwards, though Tira Edwards has four years of eligibility left on the defensive line, and two Juco offensive linemen who certainly should help with the short term, and Isaiah Adams with two years of eligibility, Zai uh with three years of eligibility. But I thought they might put more of an emphasis on that rather than take a Matthew Bailey early on. Uh, I thought they might go get a defensive back or a, a wide receiver or something like that, but they decided they'd rather go get a Matthew Bailey, a James Crutz, that those guys fit what they want and that longer term they'll have a bigger impact on the program. Is that a gamble? Maybe, but Brett Bielma has a six year contract. So I, I think he feels they have enough to compete next year, but he also doesn't want to put spots, maybe on scholarship now, a bunch of them and just go wholesale on the portal, right? We see a lot of programs. Nebraska's doing it to try and win in uh, really a make-or-break year. we see Michigan State do this well, though, put a bunch into the you know transfer portal, and maybe you can turn this thing around. Bielma's not doing that. There is an upside of going heavy transfer portal, though we saw the upside and downside with, with Lovey Smith. Uh, so Brett Bielma's going with this developmental program.
1: Yeah, I, I think now you see some of these prospects and the gaps that Brett has talked about, because it's hard to strike the balance. This isn't a knock at like, Lovey didn't No, uh, there's a balance to strike. Lovey knew that, but it's just really hard to strike that, and I think filling a gap, I mean, it's just really sounds like three or four people, a class I'm just guessing, Brett didn't give us those numbers, but fill these gaps, because as he said with Tommy DeVito, he didn't want to go in with Art surgically repaired both arms, and some freshmen and sophomores, and put Effectively a season on that so that that's the logic is Fill it where it needs to be filled and and maybe that's one there's some upside in a row with four But there's also some upside in a quick one-year guy I think they were very happy with the returns of Jack Badovinak of Prather Hudson and how they filled that and now As as he gets this I think ideally if you have to get a one-year guy Well the next year your sophomore or your redshirt freshman or your redshirt sophomore is going to be ready. And and no, I also don't think this means like they're throwing their hands up on 2022 season and being like, well, no, no, we're trying to be young because that's not what they're doing either. I think they're encouraged with, A, what they have a little bit already in the building. and That should be a credit to Lovey and his staff for what they inherited. But I think they're also very confident in their ability to develop further what was already in that building and the guys that they're bringing in. So I, I think some people might hear this and think like, Oh, 2022, they don't care. That is not even at all what I'm picking up. It's, I just think they're, they're trying to find the balance that works for them in the short and this long term here. Yeah, and I do think they have addressed some of those needs already with
0: transfers. Quarterback was number one, right? Number two is offensive line. They've added two JUCOs. They're looking to add another one in Hunter Norzad. The Cornell transfer has two years of eligibility. Likely would play in the interior, whether it's center or guard. Uh, And, you know, tight end, they didn't need to because Luke Ford is still here despite Daniel Barker leaving. Michael Marquez comes back that they think uh, can play a role along with Tip Ryman behind them. An outside linebacker, they lost two key guys, but last year they added Alec Bryant, right? So while I think wide receiver you'd like to upgrade, they got a lot of bodies there. They got guys who I still think with untapped potential, but that's a position I I think they should and still could add add a wide receiver. There's still two scholarships left in this class. They still can add a wide receiver as a blue shirt, uh, and we can get into that if we want to. But it is a little bit of a gamble when you just still have positions you need to add to. I think wide receiver is one of those, and I think defensive back is one of those as well, especially at corner. But they have a bunch of young guys: Kendall Smith coming back, Tavion Nicholson, Daniel Edwards, Tyler Strain, D.D. Snyder, Elijah McCantos, and then they'll add Xavier Scott. So there's a lot of bodies there. It's just they must feel confident that they can develop, or that Tavion Nicholson maybe can be that guy who, who steps up and gives
1: them some quality starts. You know what? Brett didn't directly say this, but he had talked when I think it was you or someone else who had asked about the blue shirts, he said, you know, you can use that as an opportunity when the portal's full and there aren't a lot of scholarships left to give out, that you can blue shirt, which to me screams, we still got a lot of ball game left to do this for wide receivers, defensive backs. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they could still add four transfers, add two more to fill this class and then two more maybe in the summer or something like that. Yeah, no. That's hard, and I understand this, for a fan to wait this patience out because you see a lot of really talented players finding new homes. So, again, it's what we're learning, I've said this a lot, Jeremy, on here, is every time we talk to Brett, we're learning something, and we're trying to learn where this balance is for him and his coaching staff and what they think. And to be honest with you, it's what we see out of this class. It's my belief that it's the plan has really adapted even from the course of let's just say the first bye week, and because they went out and they got a lot done in that first bye week, maybe the plan has changed from that point to now, and maybe even at a time between that. So I I think it's adapting, which if you're a fan, you would probably like that this isn't just a square peg and a round hole. But I also understand the, oh, my gosh, we would really like some new faces to get excited about it. But it's it's a balance. It's a really hard balance with these roster crunches.
0: Yeah, and, and next year's team certainly has a lot of question marks. Bielma's betting on himself, right? That, that one, they're going to develop talent on this roster. Two, that they're going to be able to still bring in some transfers who can help them next year. But three, that they have great evaluation skills, that Mountus Moeller is going to be worth the investment, that James Krutz is going to be worth the investment, right? That, that Matthew Bailey is the kind of player they want in the program. And then you look at, at the uh, blue shirts they're adding, which is, uh, Navy on Cargill at tight end, a position they needed to add future depth to, some more athleticism. And then Xavier Scott, uh, another blue shirt. And just to fill you in, blue shirt is basically just a loophole. Um, I, I've written about this a lot. I know it can be confusing, but each school is only allowed 25 scholarships in most years to sign that season, whether it's transfers, whether it's prep prospects. This year that number changed, so it gets even more confusing. But if you have seven guys transfer out or more, you can sign up to 32 this year. Illinois can do that. Uh, But even with that, they have two scholarships left. But these blue shirts basically come in the program as walk-ons in the summer. Then they're added on scholarship uh, after the first day of, of practice. But basically, they take away from the 25 or whatever next year's number is. So it's basically mortgaging out, right? It's basically... Mortgaging out scholarships from next year, applying them to this year's roster, and I think Brett Bielema, what he saw in Cargill and Scott and, and Noah Matthews, who ends up signing with Kentucky, is I can get those guys into a program early, and I think they're going to develop to the point where they can be better than the kid we're going after in 2023. Plus, it's a bird in the hand, right? So I think that's what he's looking for. But blue shirts are basically a way of if you can pull it off, because you can't host them for official visits, and that played a role in Noah Matthews going to Kentucky. If you can pull it off and get them here, it's basically stealing one from the future to to pay immediate dividends.
1: Well, I thought Brett made an interesting point in talking about that. And it also tells you a lot about maybe what they felt they needed in this class when he said, are there really 25 guys every year? Which, now, I I don't think that there's guys they don't believe in in this class. That's not how they operate. he, He says that tells you what we feel about the 22 we've signed out of high school. But... I also think it was important to get a lot of guys in here who are their guys, who matter and fit everything that they want to be, and then you're not going to see these huge signing classes. One, you just can't, because there's still 85 scholarships, but I thought that was really interesting when he said, listen, this I mean, you are robbing, Like that's absolutely what you're doing, but if you think of it as a practicality, like you're, you're not... Talking, you're right, the, the math part of this is, next year they probably aren't going to sign
0: 25 high school kids anyway. Um, So now you can get him into your program. Now when you have so many spots, he keeps saying he's not going to get to 85 scholarships this year because there's not enough. It's a weird thing with all the extra COVID eligibility. Illinois is not losing enough players to add uh, enough uh, scholarships here. So it's this weird situation where they're going to have to put walk-ons on scholarship uh, just to get to 85. And, And he's very concerned about that for his team next year in depth. But he's not going to the transfer portal to fix those things. So that is the gamble about next year but he's still focused on the long term so it's just been an interesting process to follow they certainly have addressed needs for the long term right like wide receiver they had four guys offensive line they had six guys uh at that position outside linebacker they had two exciting prospects and jared Beatty and Gabe Yakis. or akis sorry i keep screwing that one up and then defensive back they added five players of defensive back in this class so they have really addressed needs, but these are kind of slow burns. I, there's going to be some freshmen who make a big impact, but they aren't going to change the season, most likely, right? So if you're looking for this class to
1: change 2020, that's not going to be the case. No, now I think we've talked at length about positions like wide receiver, like defensive back, that physically the, the jump isn't as stiff as – putting Alex Palczewski and Badurian and Low at 17 and 18 years old on the offensive line. That's a different thing. But, yeah, I mean, it, this isn't basketball, right? Like, that's a huge thing. It's like a basketball. We're watching Purdue right now, and I know Jay Nivey's a sophomore, but he sure as heck made him a really good one. He was a freshman, too. It, it, it takes a little longer unless some of those skill position players, we've seen quarterbacks do it. I, I don't think you and I believe that'll be the case with Illinois this year. But, yeah, this is – if you're a fan trying to figure this out, you've got to believe that your coach, that your coach's assistants have this all under control. And I know you're putting a little bit of blind faith into this. It's maybe not that blind because they've all got a pretty legitimate body of work. But I understand as, as everyone learns how this looks, it requires, a, well, they seem to have a plan. And if you're a fan, maybe you don't want to buy in, but... He's on a six-year deal, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's going to take patience. Um, You know, we want to make these snap decisions of how good these recruiting classes are. But BMO's got a good history of developing talent at Wisconsin, and we'll see what he and his staff can have here. But at Wisconsin, all of his classes were 30 through 50, and look what he ended up doing. Now, the Big Ten was down. Ohio State, Penn State, and uh, Michigan were all down at that point. But he had a really good Wisconsin program. And Wisconsin hasn't changed all that much. They're they're starting to get more. Iowa's starting to get more four- or five-star guys. That's the next step, though, right? Like, I I do think the next step in 2023 is landing more of those kind of recruitments. Like, Austin Brown, you weren't able to get this year. Not able to get any of those top ten kids in-state. Not able to convince, you know, some of those four- or five-star talents to pass on some of these great Big Ten peers. So, that is the next step for this program, Joey, is to see if they can do that in 2023. And they should have some opportunities. I know we mentioned Caden Fegan out uh, of Arthur a lot of times is one of those guys. But uh, Brooks Barr is now blowing up. Royal Academy kid got a Michigan offer just visited Notre Dame. I don't know if I expect you to win those, but that is the next step. If you can start beating some of those programs based on yourself, based on your development, and uh, just based on your relationships, that's how Illinois is going to have to do it. Yeah,
1: you got to hit. Like I, I, I don't ever want to sound like, well, it's okay they're not getting four and five stars because literally the numbers exist. Like you are better when you get them. But I think it, it, which hasn't been the case for <laughs> Illinois for whatever reason. The sleepers have worked out better at a higher rate than the
0: the highly ranked guys. But yes, most often it's a better hit rate the higher ranked they are.
1: Yeah, and I just think to your point and the larger point as we look at this class and kind of what it means and how it all shapes out is this is a step-by-step thing like you don't fire a coach because everything's going really, really good unless it's like some scandal that was not the case here things were not going good so it takes a little bit of that time but yeah I mean the in-state kids the Caden F- Fegans, the Malik and you know Jair uh, Hill I want to mention him because if Jim
0: Harbaugh takes this job Michigan has been a big suitor. Now, maybe they get Josh Gaddis. The staff say similar, but that's a kid they've been recruiting really hard. It's a four-star,
1: top-ten in-state kid. Miles McBay is another one, and, like, there's all of these, you know, even, I know he's not a four-star, but Roderick Pierce is still a really good in-state kid. And and I think if you're looking at this, like, they did a solid enough job in the window that they had in the 2022 class in-state, Aiden, uh, Aiden Lawford is the top rated player in the whole class, and they went toe-to-toe with Iowa, who's churned out a running back every time you look up. So, like, there there are pieces where you can see, okay, this is how they want to do it. And then it comes to the point, and it's the same back in the season, right? You saw the pieces, like, this is what they're trying to do. And then at some point, that flip switches, and it's like, all right, you got to do it. And I don't think it's at, like, that level yet with this program. But 2023, it's like, there's some really nice in-state opportunities, in-state specifically opportunities for them to really say, all right, this thing's up and and going and going go at a pretty high cliff. Yeah, just just to
0: reiterate, I think Illinois has got some issues in twenty twenty two, right? Like this season, there's some big holes. Offensive line, we'll see how this plays out with recruiting. We'll get to a little nugget that Brett Bilman threw at us, a little tease. I think wide receiver you got some big question. Quarterback. You got I mean a lot of big questions on offense. And then you gotta replace a lot of veterans, including uh, a rising star you only had for one year in Kirby Joseph. But Isaiah say and Owen Carney were very good football players for you. Um, you lose Roderick Perry, who's a key piece of that. You're thin at linebacker. So, I mean, there are some questions about 2022. But I do want to bring this up because Bielma teased us with it. He said Marquise, they were able to bring back. They applied to the NCAA because Marquise only played four games during the COVID year due to injury. And they basically just threw a test balloon out there and he comes back and they approved it and that gives you a little bit more depth at tight end probably not season-altering stuff but they like michael Marquez, right almost said they have maybe one more trick up their sleeves so this is all speculation let me throw that out there this is all speculation but you're thinking what's a similar case right could jack bedovinak who only played two games his senior year at colgate could they give him an extra year of eligibility um, the one that makes a lot of sense, if you're following the Michael Marquez thing, and again, just speculation, people, Alex Belchewski. Missed, four, like, three or four games due to injury, got injured in the fifth game, uh, and missed a lot of time that year, had the COVID year. Would he be able to come back? And how much would that change if just one of those offensive linemen came back? But if you're able to get another piece, that's just like another transfer you don't have to get or another hole filled
1: where you don't feel as bad of... You know, filling it with a prep prospect this year. Yeah, and the thing was, I think both of these would take a lot to wrap your head around, it and are probably complicated. If, and again, we're just speculating. Those two seem to make sense in our mind. One of those two, but Alex also played in an P A bowl. You have to go through that whole thing. I mean, that's why when you we say in it a speculation. Then like, there's also 400 other reasons that we're like, well, I don't know. But like, there, there is a case, and Brett didn't drop that nugget on accident. And, like, in Alex's case, Falchewski's, it would make sense for both sides. I thought he excelled as a guard when they made the switch. I think he's a guard in the NFL. I think a healthy year playing guard would help him in his quest to be an NFL player. And I don't know if you've heard, Illinois needs some offensive linemen who have experience in college football, and that makes. sense. it yeah, Would it make sense? You throw the
0: Marquez test balloon out there thinking of Falchewski down the line. So that's why my mind goes that way. I want to reiterate it is all speculation but it could make some sense so I still think there's a lot to play out here for the 2022 roster Joey like we said two scholarships available still we don't know if a coaching change with with Michigan could change anything add more people to the portal and we know the portal is just going to fill up more heading into the spring and like there are so many guys and Brett may mention of this there's not enough roster spots for all these guys to land at power five schools so Illinois still might be able to land some good talent as blue shirts because they really don't have an option to take official visits elsewhere. So I still think the transfer market, you know, they got to get into the transfer portal by May 1 to be able to be eligible that year for the one-time transfer rule. Uh, the grad transfer rule I think still applies no matter what time, but that's there's still a lot to play out of what they could add to this roster. But the one thing about Brett Bierma is, boy, he cares about in-state Boy, he cares about, you know, building with developmental and prep prospects. That's a lot like Brad Underwood. Brad Underwood did not go transfer heavy. He got guys in his program, let them learn and kind of take their lumps, and now we're seeing how that pays off. I think that's what
1: Brett Bielema envisions. We'll see if he can do it. Didn't Brett say at some point he's looking for his IO? And I'm looking ahead a little bit, but there might be a couple, I don't want to say IO because the IO-like, possibilities in 23 i really like the 2023 and say kids and then that's just further along but yeah there, there are still holes in 2022 i don't think you and i want to sit here and say like yeah it's all roses there, there are reasons for optimism at certain areas hello running back and probably your two law firm guys on the d-line but the offensive line the wide receiver quarterback until it's not quarterbacks a concern at illinois But I I think what we saw mostly, Jeremy, in these last two months as this class was officially official was an insight into how Brett thinks and what he wants to do and how he wants to do it here. And then it's just a matter of continuing to do it in some regards and then maybe to elevate the way you do it in other regards, especially in the state.
0: Yeah, listen, this is the 12th ranked class in the Big Ten, 45th uh, in the country. I think the way you feel about that depends on how much trust you have in Brett Bielma. We have one year, we're great on defense, not so much on offense, right? So I think that's where you either trust or you don't. And the sample size for some people might be big enough, it might not be for others. It's the lowest star rating, average star rating. But I will say this, quantity or not, is the highest ranked recruiting class Illinois has had in 10 years. And I think you love what he's doing in-state. Right? like the fact that he's getting in these battles he's really getting those kids 10 through 40 uh, it feels like Illinois can get a lot of work done there we'll see if they can start getting those top 10 kids because I agree with you I don't know how deep this class is in state this year the top 10 is really really good
1: I agree I, I, I think right now it, it may, it, maybe you are on the fence about what he's doing in state if you're listening but importantly a lot of the high school coaches are all in and, and Slow burn, baby. It's got to be a long... Some of these things take time, longer-term investments. If, if the high school coaches, and they're a close-knit group, I, I don't care how big the rivalry is, every high school coach, for the most part, in some capacity, will talk to every other one. This matters. The buzz is, is happening. Now it's just building on it, I think. All right, that'll do it for here, us on the
0: Atlanta Enquirer podcast. By the way, Adam Schefter, I'm making sure this is the... Okay, it's the real Adam Adam Schefter. Jim Harbaugh called Michigan to inform the school that despite interviewing with the Vikings, he will be returning to Michigan for the 2022 season. Uh, They're elated about Harbaugh's decision. So I think Michigan's probably happy to get that guy back. Now pay him his money. We'll see how this affects their recruiting, but for anybody I was holding on to, the Michigan stuff and what was going on there, uh, that's the latest from Adam Schefter. As you can hear, the Orange Crush is getting ready. They seem like they are pumped for this game. Going to be probably a small crowd, but we will recap Illinois-Wisconsin later today. Hope you enjoyed the Illinois Inquirer podcast, breaking down some recruiting. Thanks for listening, as always. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get us. And if you're listening to this before 11 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, some pregame listening or whatever, uh, you can sign up for 60% off a VIP membership to Illinois Inquirer. Appreciate all you guys who have been doing that. Until next time, which is going to be in a few hours here at the State Farm Center, we'll talk to you... Uh, Everybody take care of each other. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Inquire podcast.